So, Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Well, the uh, children and young people are going to leave us now for their groups. And after that, we'll get into that passage. <laughs> oh, there's a West Ham fan in the room. This is good news. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, wonderful. So um, this theme that we're looking at, as Mike's already helped us to see, is, uh, is living by the word of God. That's the, that's the big theme across our network. And uh, I, I think in this room there will probably be a mixture of responses to that idea. So lots of us will probably be thinking, you know, that, that sounds good. That's actually what I want for my life. I want to live by the word of God. I want to conduct myself according to what he says in the Bible. But others in this room might be thinking, well, in principle, I, I agree with that because I've got quite a lot of respect for the Bible. But if the 21st century culture I live in says something different and that looks like a better way of living, then I'm going to follow what they say. So I'll take the Bible in some areas, but not in others. And then maybe there's others who think, actually, I don't, I don't really want to do that at all. I don't want to live my life by the Bible and uh, I'm just interested in what other people say about it. And of course, the reality is um, each of those responses reflects a belief or an attitude about the Bible. It reveals what you actually think about it. And so as we get going, that is the question I want to begin with. Hopefully this will pop up on the screen. That's the question I want to begin with. What comes to mind when you think about the Bible? What do you believe about it? Someone was to ask you, what do you, you know, what do you think? What do you believe about the word of God? What would you say? And I guess, again, there would be some different responses. So some people would say, I do believe just that, that it is the word of God. That when the Bible speaks, God speaks. It is accurate. It is reliable. Everything that we need. And all of that would be, would be wonderfully true. But if we're honest, how often would we describe the Bible the way the writer of this poem, this psalm does. Elsewhere, he calls it the joy of his heart, the source of his delight, as the most valuable, precious thing he could ever dream of. You see, if you were to ask this guy, how do you feel about living by the word of God? I think he would reply, there is nothing that thrills my heart more than that prospect. And how often do we share those feelings? How often do we feel like that about the Bible? 
And at least for me, the, the sad answer is not nearly enough. Not nearly enough do those emotions spring to mind when thinking about the Bible. I mean, I know, I know it's true. I know that it equips me. I know that it trains me. I know that it encourages me. I know that it rebukes me sometimes. But if we're honest, it's actually a bit more like this for me. It's a bit more like eating vegetables when you're a kid. Yeah? You know it's good for you. You know it's probably a good idea because your parents are saying it's the right thing to do. But it's not exactly a joy, is it? We just get on with it because we have to. We'd much rather eat cakes and mince pies and, uh, you know, cheese and crackers and uh, Doritos and olives and whatever else is over there than, than vegetables, wouldn't we? But we know we have to because it's probably good for us. No, when it comes to the word joy and delight and sweet as honey, we, we use those kind of words for other things in life, don't we? So we gather possessions and houses and we call them precious. We eat nice food and we call it delightful. We look at a beautiful landscape and we say, that is gorgeous. But rarely, I guess, if you're like me, do those feelings spring to mind when we think of God's word. And why is that, do you think? Why is that? Well, I think it's because at first glance, the relationship between the word of God and our own happiness is a bit of a puzzle. Particularly, I think, in Psalms like this, where we read words like law and command and decree, we, we assume those things just restrict joy. You know, laws and uh, controlling decrees are not, not, not designed to bring happiness, are they? They're designed to restrict things. We think of the Bible a bit like this picture, I think, sometimes. Just as a list of things that we cannot do. A list of things that God has given just to clamp down upon our own happiness. One of my favourite authors of all time, a chap called C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia stories and various other Christian books, he, uh, he describes it like this. He says, imagine a hungry man, and we'll get a picture of him on the screen. Imagine a hungry man walking into a bakery, okay? He walks in, and filling his nostrils is the warm smell of freshly baked bread and freshly brewed coffee and all kinds of sweet-smelling cakes. But there is a sign in the bakery that says he must not purchase or eat anything from inside that shop, despite how he might feel. Now, the truth is, he might be able to keep that law, but it's not exactly nice, is it? It's not exactly a nice law for him. And I think often we feel like that about the Bible. There's all kinds of things in the world that we would love to do, but we feel the Bible says, don't do it. And so, okay, we better keep it, but it's not exactly a joy. I think the writer of this psalm would totally reject that idea about the Bible. In fact, it would be the opposite for him. He, he's not just here writing this clinical diagnosis of what the Bible says you can't do. This whole chapter is a, is a 22 stanza, 176 verse celebration of God's word. For him, the Bible is a bit like the, a kaleidoscope. Do you remember kaleidoscopes? 
Yeah, they, they, you, they look like this on the inside. That, was the, that used to be the height of virtual reality, that, that experience there. You would look in and see all kinds of mind-blowing shapes and colours. Um, not anymore, obviously. We've got far better, more sophisticated virtual reality. But, but that's what it's like. He looks in to the law of God, and with every turn, there is something new and beautiful to be seen in it. He looks in, it's full of bright colours. It's for, wow, what a vision, what a sight. Look at, wow, look how beautiful that is. That's what he thinks when he looks at the law of God. And the big reason for that is because it reveals the character of God and it reveals the way of blessing. That, that, that's why he loves it. So that's one of the big take-home points for today. Living by the word of God is not just the right and proper way to live, but the very best way for us to live. The way in which we will be most satisfied and God will be most honoured. And so the first point I want us to have a think about this evening, just two, um, two brief points tonight. The first is this, life by the word of God is a blessed life. Life by the word of God is a blessed life. Let's um, have a look at verse 1. This is going to come up on the screen. Some of the words are a little bit different to the ones you have in your uh, Bible, but they're, they're basically the same. So verse 1 says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. And just before we dive into this psalm, I think we do need to have a brief think about What is this blessing according to the Bible? What does it actually mean in the Bible to be blessed? And really, in the simplest sense, it means to be completely happy and satisfied. Completely happy and satisfied. But already, I think there's problems. Because in our language, we tend to think of happiness as a temporary feeling which comes and goes a little bit like the weather. You know, we're all a bit like that, aren't we? One moment I'm sad, the next I'm grumpy, the next I'm tired, then I feel quite lively, actually, but then I'm happy and then I'm a bit grumpy again. So we tend to think it comes and goes a bit, don't we? And even the word happy comes from an old English word, hap, which is another word for fortune. In other words, how happy I am depends on my circumstances. So, have I got loads of money, and a good job, and kids that obey me, and a big home? Well then, I'm going to be happy. I must be blessed. Thank you for blessing me with these things, God. And in one sense, that's not necessarily wrong language. I mean, those are all, those are all good gifts in, in their way. But you can see how, in our language, we often associate happiness and blessing with material wealth and prosperity. And so at this point, we need to tread very carefully, because actually in the Bible, blessing is not measured by earthly possessions. In fact, you may very well have nothing at all in this life, and yet be truly blessed by God. How so? Because the blessing we're talking about here is not just to do with your bank balance. It's a deep satisfaction And joy in God and in his son, Jesus Christ, and in his word. The Bible tells us, and here it is for you to see in the New Testament. The Bible tells us, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That God has given every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that means even when, like lots of our brothers and sisters, fellow Christians around the world, are suffering terribly, or even when your own possessions are being stolen from you by other people, if you know God as your Father, you are richly blessed. That's what Jesus says, isn't it? Blessed are you when men persecute you. I mean, how is that possible? Even that first sentence doesn't go together, does it? Blessed are you when men persecute you. How can that be? Because great is your reward in heaven. You see what he's saying? Whatever happens, your reward is me. You're blessed because you're mine. I'll be with you one day face to face. If you are trusting Jesus Christ this evening, you are, of all people, most blessed. And yet, with all of that said, we mustn't leave out what we see everywhere in this psalm. That blessing comes through, and just look at all these words on the screen that I've highlighted, a walk, a way, keeping and seeking, doing, obeying, learning, obeying. See that in this psalm? It's everywhere, isn't it? There is a clear marriage here between obedience and blessings, between living by the word of God, which is our theme tonight, and a blessed life. And sometimes I think because we're really scared to to drift away from God's grace to us, and we should be, that we can actually become afraid of saying, yeah, that's, that's right. Blessing comes by striving and yearning and walking and learning and keeping and seeking and obeying the word of God. And the reason I think we get scared of it is we think it's not the gospel. We think that that's just Old Testament stuff and we've got Jesus now. And so there's no need really to concern ourselves with obedience to God. But then the question is, if that is true, what is it about Jesus and all that he has done for us which could possibly make us think that obedience to God's word will no longer bring blessing? Because that is certainly not how Jesus viewed this whole subject. Just look at what he said to one person who shouted out at him in uh, Luke chapter 11. When he was teaching and a woman cried out to him saying, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed, and there's that word again, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is not afraid to connect these two. And so verse 1, again, up on the screen. Blessed, complete, satisfied, happy are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that to be fully obeyed. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart. When? As I learn your righteous laws. You see? 
Our culture has got this so, so wrong. They tell us a story about God's word which just is not true. That it is out of date, that it is dusty, that it is boring, that it is repressive, that it is medieval, that it's not suitable for people in our generation. But can you see how different this vision is? That to live by the word of God is a blessed life. Why? Because the word of God is the key to human flourishing. It is the key to human flourishing. And we need to remember that, don't we? Obeying the word of God will not make us joyless slaves. These things are not, are not chalk and cheese. They go hand in hand together. Happiness and holiness hold hands. Blessing and obedience hold hands. Striving and satisfaction hold hands. That's what it is to walk in the way of the Lord. And so I think the challenge for me, certainly, and the challenge for us, is that when we come to the Bible on Sundays or during the week or whenever, whenever it is for you, we don't want to be like the man in the jewellers who just admires the precious jewel through the glass every week, but who never wants the treasure in his own life. We're not, we're not to be like that. That's the challenge, isn't it? If you are a regular here, you will hear a lot of faithful, Christ-centred Wonderful Bible teaching. But actually, how much of it, seriously, is being enjoyed and put into practice and walked in? I need, I need to pray that for myself, honestly. That at the start of this new year, God would help me by his spirit to know the blessing of obedience. And at the end of the day, I hope you can see just from the psalm that that is what this writer longs for. You can see it, I think, particularly in verse 5. He, he, he's not just here making these kind of theoretical statements about the word of God. It's something he personally struggles with and longs for. And I don't know about you, but if you've read the Psalms before, that, that is something I really love about them. There's this kind of honesty about our struggles and they, put, they give words to some of the tensions and frustrations that we feel when it comes to this life of, this life of happy obedience. And so that's where I want us to go next. We've, we've had a think about the life by the word of God as a blessed life, haven't we? And now I want us to think, secondly, about living by the word of God as something to desire. So let's uh, start with uh, verse 1 and uh, we'll make our, make our way down again. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Do you see the tension in, in that psalm, it is amazing, isn't it? On the one hand, there's this overwhelming delight in the word of God. But in the next verse, there's this sigh of frustration. Because he does not walk wholeheartedly in the way that he loves. And if you're a Christian here, I'm sure you've felt that too. Haven't you felt that too? That in our absolute best times, we're in verse 7. I praise you, Lord, as I learn your righteous laws. But very often, we get fed up with how slow we are to change, 
how often we commit the same old sins again and step away from the word of God and we're back on our knees in verse 5 saying, O Lord, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. One old uh, Methodist theologian, a chap called Adam Clark, says, uh, says this on this particular psalm, and I put the, put the quote up on the screen. He says, Although good men are far from being what they ought to be and what they hope to be, yet they long for perfect conformity to God's entire will. If they could have it their way, they would never sin again. Sensible of his own weakness and corruptions, he still hungers and thirsts after righteousness and will continue to do so more and more and never will be satisfied till he awakes in the divine likeness. Can you see that same thing in verse 5? Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. As we gaze into the perfect word of God week by week, it is like a light, isn't it, which shines into the dark, dusty basement of our hearts. It reveals the unbelief, it reveals the pride, it reveals the selfishness, and we cry out with this writer, Lord, make me steadfast, establish me in your ways. And it's amazing, really, because that that is exactly the experience that Paul Describes in Romans 7, the Apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians and then became a Christian and then wrote to Christians and, and talked about the Christian life to them. He, he, he must have been reading this psalm, I think, because he says basically the same thing. Have a look up on the, uh, the screen at this other Bible verse from Romans 7. I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. See that delight? I delight, I do delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? See? At many way, in many ways, he's at the same point. He loves the law. It's sweet to his soul. But the law within him says something else. It takes him away. He, he finds that he cannot keep the very way which is so sweet to him. He wants to, but he can't. And so in Psalm 119, we read, Oh, that my ways were established. And in Romans 7, we, re- we read, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to to death. It's the, it's the same aching cry. Thanks be to God, says Paul, who delivers me through Jesus Christ. And when we put the whole Bible story together, ultimately, that is the saviour that this psalmist was waiting for and longing for. One who could rescue from the body of death. One who could ultimately die To take the just punishment for the sins of his people. One who did what each one of us here has failed to do. Who lived a perfect life of joyful obedience to the word of God. So that ultimately, and here is the beauty of the gospel for you and me this evening. That that same perfect righteousness, that same perfect obedience to the word of God that Jesus had could be counted to us through faith in Christ. 
And so you, if you're here and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, what is the greatest energy and motivation for obedience to the word of God? It is the sure knowledge that God has saved us by grace. That we cannot earn our own way to heaven. That is the motivation for obedience, is it? Knowing that in verse 8 of this psalm, that that's true for us. That he will not utterly forsake us. That is the news which frees us from the crushing guilt and failure that we feel, don't we, sometimes? And that is the news which gives us energy to obey God from a changed heart. And look, if you're here and you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, and if, you're, if you, maybe you're thinking for the first time, you know, I, have, I think I actually have failed to obey God. I don't really delight in the word of my creator. I feel that sense of shame in verse 6 as I consider the commands of God. Well, it's the same Jesus Christ that you need, and it's the same Jesus Christ who is available for you today. He is the one who died for you and he rose again so that you could turn to him and maybe even for the first time this evening know the joy of living by the word of your creator that that is that is the big thing here isn't it when we know jesus as lord we are able to sing with the psalmist in verse 7 i will praise you with an upright heart when we know jesus as lord we can join in with verse 8 can't we I will obey your decrees with joy. So, living, living by the word of God, life by the word of God, I hope you can, I hope you can see, it is, not, it is not a slavish life, is it? But it is total joy as we live according to the creator's blueprint for each one of us here. Let's just have a moment maybe to, um, to pray quietly in your own heart. Perhaps you'd like to... Um, say sorry to God or say thank you to God um, and just talk to him for a minute or two and then I'll lead us in a prayer and uh, I'll just hand back over to you Mike is, is that right? Yeah. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Father, we do thank you very much for your words, the Bible. Uh, We thank you that you are our creator, that you know what is true and what is best for us. And we pray that you would help each one of us to know the joy and the blessing of walking in your ways. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Father, we do uh, ask your forgiveness for when we accidentally or deliberately turn our back on your word. For when we think that we know better than you and for when we sin against you. Please, Lord, make this the longing of our hearts that we might be steadfast in keeping your wonderful words. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have promised 
that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you have died to win us, that you have made us yours. And may that wonderful grace motivate us for a life of happy obedience to you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.